to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio podcast land. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Biconics Wrestling Podcast, where a bunch of wrestling nerds come together to talk about professional wrestling. Oh, I'm so excited. Unlike last time, I am not alone for this episode. But before we get into everybody here, you are currently listening to the dulcet tones of Mikey, one of your five co-hosts of the Biconics. I know you're like, Mikey, what are you talking about? There's only four of you. We'll get into that in a little bit later when we do introductions. But we're going to quickly reintroduce ourselves to the listening audience. So any, meeny, money, mo, mini, your first go. Hi, I'm Mini Multi218. That's where all my socials are. You can check me out all over those places. I'm also here on the Vibe Tribe. I run Walk Among Gods and I'm in the Academy. You can check me out also there too. But yeah, I'm here. I've only been in like two and a half episodes or something like that i'm not in a in and out parking lot i'm in i'm here hi what's up how's it going but yeah i'm excited for this also check us out at biconics one on twitter we have a twitter now we're working on the other socials follow us there so you can keep update to what the hell we're doing yeah <laughs> yes i love that introduction all right we're gonna quickly go over to john <laughs> Mini started off so strong. Fellow <laughs> boy, my name's John. Sometimes they call me the professor. I'm on a handful of things here at the Vibe Tribe. I'm really excited for Biconics today because we have so much stuff to talk about. All my friends are attractive. And uh, what else have we been talking about? Yeah, really excited to be here. I saw an AEW show live. We're going to talk about that today, which I'm really excited about. The history of the Cow Palace in San Francisco and how it was wrestling mecca and then According to other podcasts and videos I've watched, all the wrestlers hated it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why and all that I've been there. But uh, I'm really excited to be here. And I'm going to go, I ran out of steam just like Minnie did. Damn it, I could have done better. Oh my goodness. Before we get into our next introduction, I'm going to do a little interjection here. Later on in the episode, you will hear the dulcet tones of the other John, a.k.a. JVL. He is currently preoccupied, but he will join us a little bit but now, ladies and germs and non-binary peoples of the world, I would like to introduce you to our new co-host for the Biconics. He is going to be our fifth squad member in this little faction that we got going on. I'm going to let him do all the introductions, but you know him. You love him from the various other projects here in Vitribe. But I give you the one and only Adolfo. Those programmas and... Oh, yeah! You wanted the cream of the crop, and the cream cream rises to the top. So they brought me! Oh, yeah! To talk to you all about some wrestling, which we enjoy. You can see, you can hear me, actually, and you can actually see me. You can't see me! You can't see me! You can hear me over on the Brave New Worlds, and Neon Memories, and uh, the Academy, and the Divergence. And by, and here I am on Biconics, and I'm excited to be here. And actually, you really can't see me because you're listening to my voice. How you like that? Oh, my God. That was so perfect. It's bad podcasting. You can't see our reactions as Adolfo's going apeshit. Like, you can't see us, like, cheering in the background. To give a little context of why we're cheering. So if you have, for those of you who are new to our lovely podcast here, the majority of us already worked together on a previous project, part of Vibe Tribe, which was last season's Friday Night Fights, a worldwide wrestling RPG actual play podcast, where, surprise, 
I ran a fictionalized game where all of my co-hosts were basically wrestlers and there were championship matches. There were shenanigans. There were heel turns. There was some heart. There was a slightly erotic Viking Santa Claus. (laughs) But it was such a fun project to do. And of course... It was it didn't dawn on me until we started recording that I was like, holy crap, I pretty much have almost every single person from that game as a part of this project as well. So, so my, the yeah. story I wanted to tell you was my mom. I was telling my mom that, oh, yeah, I'm doing a wrestling podcast. It's really cool. I'm doing all this stuff. It's great. And I'm working these days and we talk about pro wrestling and history and I talk about theater and acting because I'm that type of person. My mom was like, oh, that's really interesting. That's great. So weeks go by and she said, hey. What's that podcast where you're a wrestler? I went, oh, it's called Friday Night Fights. And the moment I said it, I went, oh, mom, I don't know if you should listen to that because John Kringleson likes to drop a sack on people. So I'm describing to her how dirty this character is. Yeah, I'm doing all these crazy things, mom. Like I say this and I do this. She's just stone-faced. That's funny. Maybe I want to listen to that. Okay, just know what you're in for, Bob. There's a mahogany table, and one of us tries to do stuff to it. Just be ready. And she, So she might be listening. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Mama Crosswave, if you're listening to that, or if you're listening to this, know that we appreciate you, and all of us here at the Biconics love you. Thank you for lending your son to us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I missed you guys so much. I'm so excited that we're all back here together. My heart. All right, enough about the sentimental crap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if some of us can show up on time. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I know, right? Here we were getting ready to record. And um, uh, I can leave. I can leave no. right now. My mom is still here. I can go enjoy her 69th birthday with her and not say that I'm with a bunch of hey. fine men sticking my face in a bunch of bears that are sucking dicks so I can talk about wrestling. Ah. Uh, there's a lot of hobbies you just mentioned out loud. Is it your mom's birthday? Yes, I do multiple things at once. Is it is well, today, your mom, today your mom's today birthday? Is my, today is my mother's 69th birthday. Nice. Today's my mom's 67th birthday. What the fuck? Why do we have so many things in common, John? Why would we all name John and have mothers that are probably <laughs> around the same age? And- the stars have aligned. <laughs> they could not have more perfectly aligned. <laughs> Why are we both involved in theater? Why are we doing weird theatrical things? What the fuck? <laughs> and now you're both in a weird wrestling podcast? What the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. If we find out we're related, then I'm going to, I'll be excited, but I'll be very confused on how that happens. <laughs> It'll make a lot of my dreams a lot stranger, but yeah. That's <laughs> just the subconscious stuff on the outside all of a sudden. I just got out of doing a show, man. I'm, all my subconscious is completely on the outside at this point. No context. I'm all context. Right oh my gosh. JBL, welcome to the show. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. Sorry, I'm late. You're good. We haven't really started on too much. We just got through introductions and we just introduced our newest co-host, Adolfo. My replacement. What? No, I'm like that. I'm I'm that guest starring spot. No, fuck no. You are (laughs) amazingly a star and I love you dearly. And I have missed being around you since I got to play kids on bikes with you. For God's sake, I'm so happy you're here. We should totally change the name from Biconics to Fatal Flyway. (laughs) No, No, just Mary. Uh, He's already fit it right in. This is awesome. <laughs> I totally did. Like, I knew. I knew with Adolfo coming on, like we were gonna have some fun. But now, like we're there. It's on. It's so on. Uh-huh. Good luck, Mikey. Good luck. Keep the reins. <laughs> nah, it's all good. 
So let's go over really quickly for the listening audience and to my co-host as well. Here's the, what we're going to be discussing this particular episode. I definitely want to catch up with my co-host as I recorded by myself last time. Actually, uh, the highest rated episode ever at this point is Mikey's voice by himself. And especially me getting a whole hour's worth of covering NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, oh, no. You by yourself was the highest rated? No, we're not serious. Are we just players in the Mikey show? I was saying it is, though, because none of them have been rated yet, so it is technically the highest rated one we've done. Are you shitting me? Yeah. (laughs) Default. Default. The two greatest words in the English language. Well, first of all, I would like to thank the Academy. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Regardless, no, I I missed you guys so much, and I'm happy that all of us are here because... I need y'all for this one because we're going to catch up, talk about some of our favorite TV matches. And then for the meat and potatoes of this episode, I want to talk about how storytelling is important in this thing that we love. And we're going to talk about why it's important. And we're going to be using Elimination Chamber and AEW's Revolution to discuss some good examples of good storytelling and some good examples of really bad, poorly built storytelling. Because the wrestling, because I have some issues with both shows because some of the wrestling was great but the build-up to these things were like is this what we're doing i was like especially revolution listen revolution was fun but i have some questions and i have some issues but are we we starting there are we talking shit now i have no idea what's going on here i just joined late (laughs) you're fine we're just getting started you're not in in and out parking lot so not this time no luckily not unfortunately (laughs) although i would love one up here in vermont we'll never get one of those if your mom had her 69th birthday at an in and out in Vermont, I'm from California. That sounds cool as hell. Maybe that's just me being biased. Y'all were giving me shit for being millennial. That's what you want to do for a 69th birthday party? You went to a Magic the Gathering tournament with your buddy because your internet was out, and then you called us from the damn drive-thru. Oh, in, fuck a, yeah in, I an, did. in an abandoned Kmart. I, I wanted to keep in mind, I wanted to keep in mind, I finished the damn episode after all y'all left. You definitely did. I'm not knocking that you came in and took your thing over and you did multiple things on a day and none of the rest of us have been able to do that. But getting a call, is our show a call-in show now? Do we need people to be like sitting in like a parking lot? We should have told free number or something. (laughs) Stay tuned for next episode because we may actually have a guest person coming in for when we talk about WrestleMania. And I'll give you a hint. It's either going to be one of John's hot friends or it might be one of my friends. But stay tuned to figure that out. One One of your hot friends too? It might be one. I hope it's his hot friend. <laughs> I'll go through my list of hot friends and see what I could cook up. Okay. <laughs> you sent us their IMDb page. We know. I know, bro. It's true. And I just want to remind you all that they listen to this. So now they know. Hi, John's hot friends. How y'all doing? John's hot friend. <laughs> Although, saying that now, and I have my hot friends in the show where they also want to join the podcast. Oh, Jesus. Get all these attractive people. Nothing could go wrong. Nothing at all. Nothing Oh my god. Do we call our guest a special guest referee? Yes! Is that what should we call the guest spot? The special guest referee. I am here for that, so we're going to canonically make our guests, every guest that we have for future episodes is going to be our special guest referee to keep this fatal five-way in check. We need to send them a ref shirt just for us to watch them. I literally would be dead. (laughs) I don't know if we have to do that. I mean, come on. Look at Ken Shamrock. He had like a full-on like muscle shirt, and then other people were like nothing. So it's perfectly fine. Oh my goodness! But to your point, Professor, let's just jump into the shit. So really quickly, 
we're going to talk about good storytelling. <laughs> listen, this listen, I have notes, but honestly, based on what the conversations we had before we started recording, it seems like I'm one of the few people that watch way too much wrestling the last couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. Yes. Sorry. I, I got distracted. Jimmy got replaced by it. I looked up, I looked down and I looked up and I saw a ball. <laughs> oh my goodness. Really quickly. We're going to talk about the pay-per-view, so we can wait till that. But I really quickly wanted to discuss what if for those of you who are looking for good wrestling matches to watch that are happening in the current era, like for me, and I'm just going to shout them out. So Ring of Honor came back to the streaming and the television and all that stuff, right? We're three episodes at the time of this recording. We are three episodes deep in this new era of Ring of Honor. And my God, let me tell you. It does not feel like a two hour show because it goes by really quickly in a good way. There's a lot of good matches, but my match from the last couple of weeks that y'all need to go watch just because of how amazing it is. Athena versus Willow Nightingale for the Ring of Honor Women's Championship match. My God, it was a thing of beauty. It was so beautiful. It was a brutal match. Enjoyed wholeheartedly. And I loved it because Athena already right now is my women's wrestler of the year right now. She's killing it with this heel character. Willow got to show off why she should be taken seriously. She has this cute, bubbly personality, but in tandem with her hardcore match on Rampage and just the amount of power that was given. Speaking of power, apparently Professor lost his for a little bit. I have no idea what just happened. (laughs) Your closet door opened. No, it's bringing me back in. No, so don't go back in the closet. <laughs> I work so hard to not be in the closet anymore. Just when you thought they were, you were out, they suck. Yep. But that is my match that I want people to watch that happened over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you should subscribe to the Patreon because I will. I may show the list of our favorite matches and people will see that I have no life. Official? We have an official Patreon? No, not yet, but we're yeah. going to now. We have to a- now. It's a good joke. Out of this part now, we still need to make the Patreon. <laughs> yes. Sell to it when it gets there. Link will be in the description. I don't know. Eventually. The description? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I want a t-shirt of has our logo on it, but it's like on an In-N-Out wrapper from some weird <laughs> drive through somewhere. Or it's like a drive through like menu of just all of our names. And just the menu is made up of all the random shit we have said on this podcast so far. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Fatal but Five yeah. Burger. So I, yeah, (laughs) just has face paint on. Oh my gosh, I can't. Before we get into what we're majorly going to discuss this episode, does anybody have any matches, things that they watch in the world of wrestling that they want to discuss real quick before we jump into maybe some fighting? (laughs) I saw AEW Dynamite Live at the Cow Palace in the San Francisco. My buddy won tickets on Instagram, which I always thought those were scams. And I've never known anyone to win anything on Instagram ever. And he commented and dude got picked and it was like, hey, what are you doing in two weeks? I was like, what? What do you mean? So I got to go to the Cow Palace in San Francisco to go see it, which in the 80s and 90s was a wrestling mecca. A lot of shows went through there. And what's tough, and this isn't really, I don't want to rant too much about this could be a whole other podcast, is it used to be a livestock auction house. So it's not really an arena. It's a box. That's like a barn. And the seats are really small and it's a weird shape. But their concessions are cheap and there's plenty of parking. So it's like, okay, fine. But that used to be the... So there's pictures on the walls. I took a few. 
of when it was Mr. Perfect and Hulk Hogan way back in 88 or 89 and a bunch of other shows in the early 90s. I want to say Raw was there in 96, maybe. WCW went there a lot, too. And I guess, and I found this out after the fact, because there's a wrestling wiki, and the Cow Palace is one of the subjects, and it just talks about the history of the Cow Palace in San Francisco. I guess the problem was, since it was a livestock auction house for farmers, there's no AC in that whole building. And it's like a hundred-year-old cement box with no AC. The dressing rooms are just cubicles, so it's not made for big entertainment spectacles. They used to do like Disney on ice and concerts and other things there because you could have it big and wide open. But for wrestlers who are doing athletic shit for hours and you pump in there, a bunch of wrestling fans going, you just cook to death in this building. It's like the sportatorium in Texas. It's just that's, not built for anything like that. That's what they were comparing it to. And one of the things I was watching is like, yeah, it's, it's just crap. We use but it because it's, it's all we have. crap. Exactly. It's nostalgic crap. Christian had one of the best promos of the night when he looked right at all the fans in San Francisco and went, I can't leave to never, I can't wait to leave and never come back for 10 more years. Like, that was so mean, but we love you for it. But seeing the four-way tag match that night to start the show was ridiculous. AW Dwark was fantastic, but that was just seeing, seeing luchas do the crazy things luchas do live. And to watch it on TV, you respect it, of course, and you go, oh my God, that's physicality and it's an art or whatever. But when you're there live and you realize, oh yeah, 14 feet is really high. <laughs> oh, no. I fully agree with you because I can compare that to being in an elimination chamber and watching Montez Ford go off that cage. Be, like, that is a long fucking drop. And then they, they, have, they all have that moment where they think about it and they take that breath. Please don't die. And then they do it anyway. <laughs> and they do these yep. leaps and these crazy things. So watching... That, watching a ladder break during the, I don't know the name of it, so don't hate me. The AEW, we're fighting over the golden donut thing. No, <laughs> the face nobody, of the revolution ladder match. Yeah, no one. <laughs> I, pillow match. Yeah, we're fighting over a golden hemorrhoid pillow. No one explained to me the, what it was. But when I was there watching it, like, ladder, the ladder broke. And Hobbs still climbed it. And stood on it and is yelling at the refs, hold the ladder, hold it, trying to be cool because it's his hometown crowd. And like the, just the, like the little nuanced dramatic moments, seeing that live was. That's so cool. Was fantastic. Was super cool. So I'm biased, but all those matches were great. <laughs> those are my favorite Hell matches. Yeah. Hell yeah. AEW Dark was way better than live than I remember watching on YouTube. It's not bad on YouTube. Watching it live, I was like, wow, these folks are just hungry and want to hurt each other. That's great. Good for you. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Old time wrestling, old timey wrestling fan. And I stopped watching towards the late Attitude Era of WE, pretty much right before WCW, like they put the nail in the coffin with WCW. And I have so... I've been getting back into wrestling. What got me back into wrestling was doing the Friday Night Fights podcast. And doing the podcast, I was like, oh my God, I've forgotten so much. And so I started watching it. And it's, I have to say, so there, it's a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of wrestling out there, which is cool, which is really cool. But then like when you don't have time to watch all the wrestling, 
then you feel like a poser. Just with the natural progression, I started with WWE and I've been watching, I watched Elimination Chamber and I watched, I've been watching Raw and SmackDown. I haven't been able to tune into NXT because I, for whatever reason, I can't. No um, one watches NXT. Except for me, because somebody on this team has to cover it. Yeah, which is a shame because those are supposedly like the up and comers. There are some good up and comers down there. My biggest issue with NXT is the lack and we'll get into it for our major topic is the lack. The booking decisions are very questionable a lot of the time in this version of NXT, but also storylines like make no freaking sense whatsoever in some cases. Which I'll talk about because the group text thread got my wrath when I found out that Roxanne had to vacate her title. And I'm like, why? But I'll save my rant when we get there. Overall, I have. I've been able to to stay up with W.E. a little bit more than A.E.W. for some. And I'm still trying to figure out what it is about A.E.W. that like I'll put it on, but then I lose interest. And I think maybe it's just that W.E has been around for so long they know how to do the spectacle for us to have so they just for whatever reason, WWE I've really been fantastic that did the green the green spitting great muda great yes yes and I remember great muda doing that and to see Oscar pulling from that and coming out like in the face paint and all that. And also she like phys- physically fantastic wrestler. So I've been digging her. She's also 40 years old. I it's know. Ridiculous. And she's in perfect shape to my outside yeah. layman couch eyes. Like, right? 40? Oh, you're so much better than I am. So Oscar's been been top on my list. Xavier Woods, I just unfortunately haven't really been able to see because Kofi Kingston got hurt. So by the time I started watching wrestling again, he's been out with his whole ankle surgery thing. And Kofi Kingston, if you hear this, feel better and get well soon. But uh, uh, Xavier Woods, I actually found out about Xavier Woods through Acquisitions Incorporated, which is a D&D game. And he came on to play. And they introduced him as WWE Superstar Xavier Woods. And it was fantastic how he would use wrestling moves for his barbarian to do in game with cheese puns. And it was fantastic. And finally getting to see him wrestle, he's very good. It does a lot of the high technical moves really well does a lot of great selling and also again the his theatrics really good showmanship altogether there it's uh, also the the uh, thing on 2k23 now who is the uh, the tutorial guy so you'll see a lot of him if you play 2k23 now oh telling cool. you what the new buttons are and what this is and all that stuff see because oh, i didn't awesome. know because i was watching g4 for the year that it existed because i was so excited to have g4 back and i didn't know Xavier woods austin creed i had no idea who he was, I just went, this guy's awesome. He's yeah. charismatic. He's a great host. He's funny. He knows ver- nerd games. And then all my friends were like, yeah, dude, where you been? He's been on YouTube for 10 years. What's wrong with you? I was like, what? What do you mean? So his channel's and fantastic. An actor. I know, seriously. I was doing other things. But then when, <laughs> you're right, as a technical wrestler, and this is something you all might know more of because you followed it longer, has he just been stuck in the mid card or as a part of New Day? Like he's just getting buried in the middle. Not and that sucks. He was in, even in NXT, he was like mid-carded and put, they didn't know what to do with him. They made him out to be that 
Lanny Poffo, the smartest man in the room thing for a while because he was still going back to his degree. and Because he's getting a PhD in psychology. Like, right. he's smart. And, and even take, the main roster. Yeah. And then you take it further back, too, before NXT was the thing. He was Consequence Creed in the TNA days. Uh, those days. Up with the Rocky thing, like full on. Damn. It, that's so and, much in trouble. And even then, <laughs> and even then, he was stuck in the mid card or in the tag team division in TNA. Yeah, yeah. and he really so, hasn't taken off until he got into New Day. Like he was part, like Kofi, Biggie, and him were all floundering on the main roster, and they finally came together and said, "This is our last shot. We just want to have fun and do something." And they put New Day together, and nobody wanted them to do it, and it, they just made it their own. And then they sell more merch than everybody else. That's why they're still together. They have a freaking cereal, for God's sake. Yeah, bootios. Yeah, I gotta buy that. But yeah, so Xavier Woods, he's been great. And then I match wise, I'm trying to think of anyone else. I don't want to. I, I don't want to get too deep into talking about stories because I know that's something that that we're really gonna really gonna cover. I I guess the only thing like match wise I want to say is I'm really impressed with the women and how they've been spotlighting the women because when I left wrestling the big draw with the women were still like the lingerie matches and the women were still being used as more as window dressing so coming back and to see we got the what the fatal fatal four four way at wrestlemania for the women's tag belt yeah yeah it was like a fatal four way it was like sasha naomi tamina natalia and then two other teams, like right. all those yeah. women were determined. And then like with uh, Charlotte, Fl- Charlotte Flair. Yep. Yep. Charlotte Flair, man, the other, the other night, spoilers, if you didn't see raw, but the fucking throwdown that Rhea Ripley and Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair had was fantastic. I, I loved oh it. This is it was so good. Watch the women's war games in NXT. You'll love the war. All oh, the war games match is so good. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna check it out. But so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's this old timer's little uh, take on what's going on for right now. I, yeah, I forgot back when you were watching wrestling, it was lingerie matches in China. That was all the women's division. And China was in a couple of lingerie matches, which was weird. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Yeah. So it was a yeah, weird time. Which again, China, they didn't know what to do with her because that's right. just like she was massive and could do everything the men could do. But we don't want it. This was before the men women matches and stuff that we're almost accustomed to. We're almost right. okay with now. Right. She also and, ran against the good old boys in the locker room who didn't want to do that either. And now we were talking about this pre show podcast as we're getting ideas about there. And I mentioned this to Aldolfo too. We're at this stage in wrestling where it seems like there's five or six generations all in the ring at the same time. There's wrestlers yeah. who were yeah. 20, 25, 30, even 18, 19 year olds who are quite literally holding up. 55, 60, 65, Ric Flair, 70-year-olds, making sure they don't burst into dust in the ring. Uh I said all that to say this. The women are really carrying the torch, in a way. Like, our whole... Yeah, and it's come so far, and and they're better actors. I'm going to say that every time. They just are. And I buy their storylines every time they say something. Everything... Rhea Ripley yeah. and Charlotte Flair do. I'm like, yes, I believe you. I'm all in on what your words and what you're saying. Yeah, I have yet to see, and also in AEW, I have yet to see a woman's wrestler who who dogs it. You know what I mean? Some guys Absolutely. They'll, they'll get out there and they just it just eh. like the Brock Lesnar match at Elim- Elimination Chamber. I was just. <laughs> you mean Dick Kick City? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
was just <laughs> that was trash. And it like it was like, why are you bringing these guys out? They didn't even look like they they wanted to be out there. You um, do it because Brock Lesnar sells tickets. I, I, I right because it's the name, but it's but I, like I would have preferred put in two other women's matches and. and Leave that or type just of match just out. make just add the time they're gonna do to that match and make the woman chamber match that much longer. Right, Ooh, because exactly. that was a nitpick I had. <laughs> the women's chamber match could have been a little bit longer. They could have just stuck yeah. the Lesnar match. Yeah. You know what? Since we're talking about the elimination chamber, let's just go through this real quick. Since you know, all can, right. Can I this one match I re- watched recently before this that I really. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Favorite. Go ahead. Really nah, you're late. You don't get like, to talk. <laughs> Fuck up! Fuck off! In my dreams. Literally, this week. This this week was Daniel Garcia, Brody King. I fucking loved that match. It was beautiful. Work it over, and then get the weirdest dink of the bat from Jericho to knock Brody King out. This giant monster, like fucking hell! It was so good. When was this? Was this just this past Friday on Rampage? This this Friday. Okay, I gotta go dig that up then, because I have a Chris Jericho bone to pick. But we're gonna talk about that later. (laughs) <laughs> We're gonna talk about it. I just, I just wanted to say that, like, throw a match in there. That's the match that I enjoyed this week. I didn't really watch a lot of besides Elimination Chamber because I can't get my shit to work out the time. You wanted to see me there? Oh yeah, of course. Trying to look free in the crowd. Elimination Chamber was actually the first time I've sat down and watched a full thing of wrestling in ten years. But I always keep. I've been keeping track of wrestling through what culture and WWE stuff. But I did see a video I thought was hilarious. You guys know how they're doing the AI bots that can make it sound like people. Have you guys seen those things on TikToks? I saw one where it's Vince McMahon. And he goes. My he goes, my dream WrestleMania card is Omos versus this guy, Omos versus this guy, Omos versus this guy, and then it's Omos versus Omos versus Omos. So I was thinking about the random Omos versus Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match that should not exist. No, we'll talk yeah, we'll talk about yeah, that towards the end. Yeah, Cause we'll, uh, Wrestle at the time of this recording, WrestleMania is in two weeks and every match actually looks pretty good. Except for that, that one. one. <laughs> Does anyone know if the great Kali is still alive? Could they get yes. him on the yes, horn and put is. him in the ring? He's in just... India right now. He has a wrestling school in India. No. Rick only can barely walk. That can't be yep, true. That's does. true? I'm That's true. I'm going to send you a link. What? I don't want to sound hor- horrible, so I got to be really careful with the things I want to say. The great Kali has a wrestling school in India? Yep. So hey, I learned this recently. early days were very good. Like, hey, early great Kali was really good. Yeah, the first 20 minutes of his career, perfect. <laughs> then his wow. knees started giving out, then it was just like, okay, cool. I'm only thinking about it because I just saw The Longest Yard and I forgot he was in that movie. That's right! He was in it, Goldberg was in it, Steve Austin was in it. You don't want to talk about Steve Austin's part of that movie. Kevin Nash, Kevin Nash was the funniest thing in the entire movie when they started giving him estrogen. He did a great job. Great color. Uh, yeah. Hold on to that rage, Professor. We'll get into it when we talk about Jericho. But oh my goodness. Yeah. Elimination chamber. Elimination chamber. It was awesome. It was great. So, for the next two hours, ladies and germs, we're sticking to, we're going to talk about why storytelling is important. And we're basically just going to go through Elimination Chamber and Revolution and have our like praises and our nitpicks because both shows, and for me personally, were very fun to watch. Though I have some bones to pick with certain matches and how certain stories were built. But why are we talking about storytelling? This is watching people just wrestle in a four-sided ring. Why is wrestling? Why does wrestling need stories? I'm gonna tell you why wrestling needs stories, right? Because we're fucking. Honestly, up. that's right. If we were just going to watch the technicality of the wrestling, most of us would probably just watch a regular like mat-to-mat wrestling, like watch in AEW. your house. Yeah. Now, we'll see, watch, there's some. We'll watch Kenny Omega highlights. 
this week we will when he fights Iho de Vikingo. Oh, oh my god. god. I'm, I'm so fucking ready for that match. Sorry. We're getting off topic. But to preface why Elimination Chamber was so good for us, because we were also all texting each other at the same time this match was Elimination Chamber was going on. And it you made it so much my better. My battery ran out in the damn thing. <laughs> Sorry. On my roaming ass phone in Montreal. So I think, and coming from a theater perspective, and I know Adolfo has some thoughts on this too, and I'm sure John does as well. When you're doing fight choreography or you're building a fight in a show, if there's no story in the fight, the fight falls flat. And this is just a, a plot thing. This works in movies too. There's shitty movies where it's like, where it's all action, but I don't care about you. Even though it looks cool, it's not sustainable. So a lot of, and this is a WWE curse, this is definitely a WCW curse, where if I don't care about any of your people, I will watch the match and fall asleep, and I don't care. And some of the greatest technical wrestlers, I'm Dean Malenko, who's one of the greatest technical wrestlers probably ever, at least the top three ever, always had shitty storylines, which is heartbreaking. Some good ones, maybe. There was some Four Horsemen stuff in there and whatnot going way back, and maybe Adolfo remembers, because I don't. But, like, the, those are... Jericho feud was good. Okay, yes, yeah. Okay, so there's one. Ah, but I can't remember any other than go out there, be technical, be awesome. They kind of screw some of these wrestlers who are so good by not supporting them with any type of story. And that's plot devices and other shit, and... Can I ask a clarifying question on that? Say you get a match with no build, you get a match with very little build, you have two really good technical wrestlers, and they don't have a story to tell outside the ring, but they're telling the story in the ring. So you're watching this built of, oh crap, the way this guy has to beat this guy is he's working the crap out of a limb, and arm, something else. That's the story of the match, is not, oh, we have beef, it's, I'm going to show you how good I am at this, and I'm going to pick you apart. And how the baby face or heel comes back from that, where it goes around with that, so it's not like a two-minute squash, but it's something like that. Is that still considered storytelling, or is that technical ability? I would say so. I'd say that's absolutely still storytelling, but you better be that good. That's sort of Ric Flair. Yeah, which Malenko was. Yeah. It sounds like every Kurt Angle match that wasn't a pay-per-view. Daniel Bryan (laughs) match, pretty much every match he ever does. Because that was... right now. That was Ric Flair's thing, was like, Ric Flair could work with anybody. You can put him in a ring, it doesn't matter who it is, there's a story that's going to be told and Ric Flair is going to be Ric Flair and build everybody up. There's other wrestlers that just aren't that. They need to script everything. No, let's back that up. Yeah, so let's back that up. Ric Flair, we love you, but stay out of a ring. Yeah. Smith (laughs) being run by Bret Hart through the entirety of SummerSlam? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Hi-oh. I was going to say, I was like, really quickly going back on Ric Flair, I was just, yeah, in his prime, he could work with anybody. But lest we forget, not even prime, a year. Prime Ric Flair. Prime Ric Flair, Flair is the important thing because really lest we serious. forget last year, his retirement match. And we talked about it extensively on the first episode. If you want to watch a grown man die a couple of times in the ring, Literally. you can watch that. With the yeah, disappointment of every person in the audience that are former. <laughs> Mick Foley, Undertaker. Yeah. They were so pissed. They're like, you, why are we here? Adolfo, have you seen this? What, the Ric Flair retirement match? Yeah, the ritual. Yeah, that was a shit show. Oh, (laughs) no, buddy. I'm so sorry. No one should ever watch that match. If you want want to support that wrestling thing there, go watch Ricky Steamboat's match, because that's much better. Bro, that match is so much better. Kind of like what we're speaking to is... Bret Hart, you can, you, there's certain wrestlers, you put them in the ring with each other, and they're going to make a story out of something because they, they're in that thing, that sort of inside-out thing. I totally agree with that. 
Yeah. There's a perfect example of this that was just a meme like this month, which was there is a lost match that was only on a couple of house shows and one Raw, which was Bret Hart versus like a very young one, two, three kid. And you watch these two amazing wrestlers who only wrestled once on TV go at it and like Brett doing the whole thing of what basically like this match has been pulled for all these different moments now that like you can see in modern wrestling now like CM Punk versus oh, who the hell was it I think it was against Hangman when he, they do the whole thing where they get the arm drag and then he comes back up whoa this kid's getting to me and like stuff like that match which nobody knew about but everyone that's a wrestler and it has watched as their bible you look at all these things put apart and when you have two wrestlers that no build needed nothing else but you tell that story in the ring of oh crap this is not what i expected oh shit now we really have to work this over and have the spots we want but timed correctly that's when you get the magic is there even very many wrestlers that could even do that nowadays can just throw them in a ring and have them tell an awesome match besides like daniel bryan and i mean there's like i can think of like three yeah, Nothing well, I think that's, that. you're, I'm glad you say that because that's what we're speaking to. There was forever it was you better be this good to tell the story anytime, which is sadly kayfabe era stuff, right? You better be yeah. this great because you're always under the microscope. But, and then but the time, you always have those people that like if you wanted to push this guy, you would okay, we want this guy to be really good. Stick him in the room with Brett. Stick him in with Sean Waltman. Right. Stick him in with Mr. Perfect. Make him look good, and hopefully he learns. <laughs> But you had those hands that could definitely do that. And that has been less and less here where they're still going to the old timers that can still do it versus like right now, honestly, if you want to get over and you want to get over as a monster, you stick you in with Ricochet. Ricochet is going to make you look Ricochet sells. He sells so well. The shit out of himself. He's also a spot monster when he wants to be and when he can be. But he knows what he's doing there versus like someone like one of the other like Lucha Bros. Yes, they can do the same things, but they're not as much spot. They're not as much good to handle in the ring. They need somebody who can actually run with them. The young bucks. Like if you put them in there with the guns, they're not going to do anything with them. Like the guns are not well enough to do that yet. You stick them in there with House of Black, maybe. So who knows? I like that House of Black match. Go ahead, Mount. The in this last Raw, I feel that the Xavier Wood Woods L.A. Knight match that they had falls into this conversation where there really was no buildup for it. There was just like that quick yeah. uh, 20, 20, uh, two, 2K 23 promo spot and that, that turned into the match. And they went into the match and I, it was a good match. And I was, I was actually bummed that it was so short. I was like, oh man, like y'all had me, but you cut it short. And I guess they cut it short because then they had the whole Sam Zayn, the so, whole bloodline storyline, yeah, bloodline storyline that that they had that had to come in and do the thing, which they built that up well too. I don't know like the full history of it, but from what I saw, it was it was a good like moment, and it did that thing that I love in wrestling, where the heels are kicking the shit out of the baby face, and then out of nowhere, the, the on again, off again, friend shows up and, and goes to town and like kicks the heels asses and, and then there's that like that moment where they make amends i love that shit even back in the day i fuck it i love that shit love it I, oh, it was awesome it was my, such a great pop my my opinion like with the bloodline story this has been probably like one of the best stories wwe has put out in my opinion since Shawn michaels versus undertaker for the streak versus the career that's how um, good the story is yeah, but really, but quickly circling back. Um, but yeah, so that Xavier Woods LA night match could have gone longer because, like, for me, they had my attention. I was riveted. They were, they both 
knew how to tell the story. They both have great characterization that they tell through their wrestling. And it was and it was a great story. And I was bummed that it was it was so short. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's Dolly Knight. He's a fun character. Yeah. <laughs> Watching it get popped by Rey Mysterio backstage was hilarious. He needs to win a couple more matches though. Like he's already got everybody on his side and they need to push the hell out of him, but he is he needs to win a couple matches. Oh, they're doing he the does. Bray Wyatt thing to him right now. It's not even Bray Wyatt. Like Bray Wyatt, all Bray Wyatt's done is promote Mountain Dew. Like he hasn't done anything else at this point. So. No, like pre-return where he would push us as like really good, like intense guy, then just lose every time. Kinda, except that back then also he was Max Max Dupree or whatever it was to like push max, maximum male models. I'm so glad they got him out of that. Otis is so good. I'm not gonna I like lie. That, I like that goofy wrestling stuff though. That's good. I, yeah. I feel like it needs to be a little bit more. This is the year like that comedy wrestling can take over. Like I am so happy it's being given the love it needs on all the different brands finally, and like in spaces it hasn't. And that's even better storytelling because comedy wrestling allows you to have those moments where you can breathe in between all this violence and say, okay, this is still an art form. This is still something else. And it doesn't have to be the same way for everybody. It allows you to have variety in your wrestling, which I talked to a lot of old schoolers who don't want that. I'm like, why not? It's all still wrestling. It's all still performative. And at the same time, you're popping because this guy's putting his hands in his pockets and doing the limbo underneath the giant clothesline. (laughs) I love Orange Cassidy forever today. I, you know what I, who I wish Oh, uh, I want Santana Morello to come back. He is. Back. He technically is back. You got to watch Impact Wrestling right now. He's th- OK. So let me go off a little tangent real quick. So this past Thursday, <laughs> right? This whole, the podcast is tangents tonight. Like, <laughs> Shut yeah. up. So this past Thursday on Impact Wrestling, because Santino is back. He's now the authority figure for Impact Wrestling, which is another brand. Y'all should go check out Impact. Anyways, bro, they reunited Santino and Vladimir Kozlov on impact this past thursday and it was the funniest shit i have ever seen in my life and i was just like this is bro this is what i want to need i'm like this is what i needed and yo santino be looking pretty good though like he is a fit so is vladimir kozlov they're just built they are fit kozlov's doing stunts and stuff in hollywood now like he's He's so good it was great every time i think of kozlov i think of the hilarious botch of him not going over the top rope and like you just have to like re-clothesline him over the top rope every time I think of Kozlov I just think of that uh, wait a second is Santino the guy who called him John China yes oh, okay. he's the one that had the code red finisher moves of all time the one the few times that they broke Cena on screen that's the only time. Okay, that's why I remember the Cobra and the thing because I wasn't watching wrestling in that block, but I remember this joke. <laughs> no, a man he, somehow he, took second at a Royal Rumble, and now there has been talk that he might go in the Hall of Fame, which would be freaking amazing. Can we? Bet, this man. is a tangent. I don't want to make it a tangent <laughs> show. We need to have. How are they picking Hall of Famers? Money donated to the. Are WWE they just yeah. reaching? They're reaching into someone's hat and going, "You're a Hall of Famer." There's no. They pick like one dude. It's okay. This guy definitely deserves to be in because everything he's done. Everybody else. Uh... It depends. There's Bull always this year. We need Bull Nakano this year. I was like, which women is going in? And I think Bull Nakano is the one that should go in. I'm not. See, I'm still. I don't know when they would, but I'm I'm still hearing rumors that Batista is supposed to go in this year, which I'm not mad at. Ray is going in, so I'm just like, are we foretelling what's about to go down? <laughs> yeah, just like easily. 
I wasn't watching wrestling Adol- enough Adolfo, at this time. Adolfo, you are muted or we can't hear you. Sorry, Adolfo. Can you hear Adolfo? me now? There you are. Yes. I heard you. Go ahead. I have a little complaint about that. Let me just air it real quick. And then, John, I'll let you speak. Airing of the grievances. I, speaking of storylines, am not a fan of how they're inducting Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Fame this year. But they still have this whole storyline where his, like, his son is yeah, against Ray yep. and, and all that. Dominic's I, being a little bitch. Right, Dominic, Dominic's being a little bitch. Mommy. I, uh, he's with uh, that. He's with mom. I'm, I'll talk about that later. Um, but, you better um, not disrespect mommy because two of us will come at your house and we will like, we will fight you. <laughs> I'm we just kidding. You. We love you too much, Adolfo, but I know. there will be words of disapproval. <laughs> but I am not a fan of how they're carrying over the, that the storyline into him being inducted into the hall of fame. Cause to me, I feel that downplays his acceptance into the hall of fame because every wrestler that i've seen go into the wwe hall of fame it has it at least looked to be of a serious thing and everyone for that moment they broke kayfabe and old adversaries who you thought never got along would get along would come out and would shake hands and And it felt like a real thing so to have the storyline continuing through while he's being inducted to the hall of fame i feel just really cheapens that and i don't think is a good story idea like do you want to hear something more disappointed with that okay so there has not been any confirmation yet and i am strongly against it because i don't want it to happen but this is how this is what i think is going to happen because we still have yet to get confirmation that it's going to be Ray versus Dominic at WrestleMania. At the time of this recording, we have two weeks until WrestleMania starts. I kid you not, Adolfo, I don't want it to happen, but I think this is what's going to happen. Ray is going to be giving in the middle of the speech, and they're going to use his speech as a storyline angle, because Dominic is either going to attack him or do something really disrespectful during his speech. And I was just like, this, uh, I don't want that. I really don't. Like any come, other time. We can all see it coming a mile away, though, right? Yeah. And and I, was, like, we, I think this is the first time they've, they've inducted an active wrestler. Like, he's yeah. still active wrestling for the company. Yep. That wasn't just, he, like, he's there every week. This is the first time they've inducted an active wrestler. Just still there. Was Edge mm. still wrestling when Edge got no, inducted? This, no, this back? is when he still had his neck problems. Yeah, Edge retired, and then two years later was gone. And they, the only I person so, I think yeah. uh, many that they've done that with, technically, because he was still still technically a part time wrestler, was Triple H on the couple of times with DX or whatever it was. He's been inducted to the Hall of Fame with those groups, and he was still technically wrestling. But and then this is the sense of Ray's there every week, and he's wrestling on every he's wrestling on the house show still and doing everything like that. Exactly. So yeah, you're right. Using it as a storyline is dumb. Do I love the fact that Rey Mysterio is being inducted? Yes, I grew up loving. I love Rey Mysterio. He's like one, probably my all-time favorite wrestler because I grew up watching him. Storyline-wise, stupid, dumb decision. Is it a good way to bring heat for Dominic? Yes. He doesn't need more heat though. Like he's already a piece of shit. Chamber and watching what he got there for being in the freaking way on the floor. He doesn't need any more go away heat. He's got enough. <laughs> Uh, he yeah. got enough when he said that Eddie should have won the custody match. The fact that they brought that back, <laughs> the custody match. I'm fully waiting now because Vicky Guerrero is a free agent. She He's technically gonna is. He's going to show up and be like, come to grandma. 
I just, weirdly enough, I missed the excuse me on my TV screen. Anyways, continue, Adolfo. <laughs> yeah, when, when Dominic said that Eddie Guerrero line, I felt my nuts get kicked. That's the type of heat that cost. I still love the signs that they let in that have all the Eddie references to it. That are fa- Eddie's oh, the I father, know. all the fun shit. But at the same time, I don't feel, I don't feel like it's. They're using probably one of the very few people that can ever do an Eddie Guerrero storyline post his death and do and not make it seem fucking terrible. I sure. I mean, you hope that the family yeah. is the in- only other yeah. per- people they could bring in for this would be Chavo, Batista, or Vicky. Yeah. That is very true. But Lord knows everyone and their mother anytime. And this goes across all companies. Everybody wants to use the three amigos. That's just a personal problem I have. I'll get over it. This move is so I, damn good, though. This, you cannot lose it. Okay, so this is a hot... Logan Paul. He uh, knocked himself out when he first did that. You see, every, he okay, knocked so, himself out when he first did that move. Yeah, so there's a little bit... We're going to get into some hot takes real quick. But this is the hot take. So just like last year when everybody was using the Canadian Destroyer, and I got tired oh, of seeing it. <laughs> the, is this the greatest move in professional sports? What are you talking about? No, I'm getting tired lower. of it. Listen, I understand that everyone wants to do their tribute, but can we not like, I'm tired of watching the three amigos like every other week on my TV screen. I'm like, I, please stop. <laughs> even though you know, you're not supposed to talk about them. I want to see the triple German suplexes that Chris Benoit used to do. But Ooh, you know. Well, it's 2023, and there's still a whole ass debate. I was just and like, dude, mm. they talked about him in a podcast, and people were like, "What?" It's like, dude, this was awesome. Besides a... his, sorry, Minnie, my fault. MGA just no, did a MGF just did a crippler crossface and called it some other thing. What are they calling it? No, that's the LaBelle lock. That's the he was taking that from Dan- Danielson, who's been doing yeah, that Dan- Brian Danielson, yeah, LaBelle lock. lock is a crippler crossface. Yeah, they're different. They're the same move, but obviously changed for reasons. But Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson has been using that for over t- 15 years. Okay. Because I'm looking that's at been it. has been his finisher since he was in ROH. That's a crit. That's a. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've i seen some really. I'm seeing more and more Chris Benoit due to like really messed up TikTok memes. But I'm just surprised to see any anything of him in general because he is, he shall not be named. Yeah. That's why, which unfortunately sucks because it was the dude was messed up. He didn't do that, like, he was messed in the head, dude. You know, him doing a diving headbutt as his finisher, yeah, yeah. And then Brian Danielson doing that for years and going back to it again, yep. And now, who someone's doing it in WWE now? Is it Chad Gable's doing that now? Yes, Chad Gable, yeah, yeah. Which I'm just like, why are they allowing this? That move should have been banned after what happened with Chris, but. Because the GTE is a major it problem. It's been bad when Harley Race was doing it. Harley Race should not even be getting on a rope. I know. It's, I'm telling you, man. Listen, we could have a whole other episode where we just talk about the safety of wrestlers because there are some oof, there's some horror stories. Well, that, I'm scared of anybody gets on the top rope, especially watching Montez Ford do any sort of frog splash. And same. Not a, I, that man get, keep in mind, it is the best frog splash I've seen since Eddie. Damn, he gets high in the air. Montez combines Eddie and he combines it with RVD. That's why it's so damn high and like high impact is because he's going as high as RVD used to. Montez Ford is awesome. Every time I see a steel cage come down, I still get like a super nervous, anxious feeling in my stomach because I am still scarred. And I, this is not, this is not me joking. This is me being serious. I am still scarred from watching Undertaker McFoley in that <sighs> cell. That image. 
went through the top of that cage and just splat. And I'll never forget it. I was lit at the time I was living in a frat house and going to the University of Washington. It was after I had gotten back from the Marine Corps and we were all sitting there and we were all watching. We were all watching the pay-per-view. And when that happened, just everyone in that room just was done. And, and then you, Undertaker is up there and he's looking in and like seeing the interviews with him now. And he's, I looked down at Mick and I was like, I just fucking killed Mick Foley. And so even so now, whenever I see that steel cage come down, like during the elimination chamber and I started seeing him climbing, I was just like, oh, d- please just. There, I don't know if John was able to see it, but since we're talking about Elimination Chamber really quickly, recently a moment like that happened because I found out later that it actually. So the most recent woman women's war game match on NXT where Cora Jade was part of it. And she, I, I thought it was just a little spot or whatever. I was like, OK, this is good storytelling. I've come to find out that she actually like did separate like shoulder popped out of place in the middle of that match when she jumped off the top onto the table and like EO putting it back into place was not fake. It was real. And she EO Shirai literally put Cora's shoulder back into place and witnessing that like on the actual pay-per-view it didn't edit it out. I was like, I was like clutching my pearls. It was so yeah, scary. Yeah, my golf out here showing his age, man. What about Rhea Ripley at the Royal Rumble? Her knee yeah, when her not that I saw that and that was gross. <laughs> put it back in and finish the match. But similar to Adolfo's experience, like the one image that's burnt into my brain, like of how scary it was when Shane McMahon got thrown off the top of the cage into and he almost missed the table when he came down. He barely crashed through it with the crash pads. I was like, he's dead. My Seth Rollins almost getting impaled by it. Oh, that's what I was thinking of because it was coming down, right? And he was yeah, underneath it at the wrong spot. That go into these holes that kind of hold the ring in place, the cage uh-huh. in place. And he was sliding into the ring and it came down and it was like six inches from touching him in the back. Yep. I don't know who it was. This was, I think this was early 2000s or the 90s or so, where someone tried to go in, but then second had a second thought and then went to go in and then almost got clipped. Am I crazy? Does anyone remember what that was? No, like, I get. Yeah, that I sounds like it. either Bailey or Sasha. Like it was one. I think it was one of the women's matches. Yeah, yeah. I think it was one of the women's like Hell in the Cell matches where one of them almost got flipped in half. Oh, and someone didn't know the script. What, for lack of a way to put it, do I go in? Do I go out? What do I do? And right at the last second, it was like, oh shit, that was me almost. I forgot which head. one because they started fighting on the outside and then they went on the inside and somebody barely made it as the cage was coming down. It was like really scary. I also remember one of the other scarier moments too is like when one of the Usos got rammed into the steel cage when it was the Usos versus the New Day in a Hell in a Cell match. I think it was either Jimmy. I think it was Jimmy. Like he, his head almost like literally came down onto the stairs when Biggie and Xavier were throwing him into the ring. That match was fantastic. But that moment where I was like, Jimmy almost had a concussion. It was not fun. But there was a spot in the men's elimination chamber this year that so I watched it live with my dad's, as I put in air quotes. So my two friends that pretty much has raised me from the, oh, when right. I was we watched teenager. it live together. It was intense through text messages. <laughs> it was so beautiful. I, JBO was there. They're live. But there was a moment in the men's elimination chamber where Seth Rollins and Johnny Gargano were at the top and they were just chilling. And then Seth Rollins throws Gargano off and Gargano turns it into a poison Karana, I think. 
with poison Seth. Rana, yeah. a poison but Rana, if you Green. watch, like Johnny, Johnny comes down and it looks like his eyeball slides against the corner of the chamber as he's coming down. I'm like, oh, no. I was like, listen. And being there, watching at the same time, Damien Priest had run up to try to spot them and move him away because he saw his head ramming into the damn cage and he pulled Gargano's leg just enough to get him off the cage as he came down. Damien Priest, a.k.a. Punisher Martinez, whatever you want to call him, like this Punisher Martinez is great. That's his indie wrestling name. Wasn't it Rey Mysterio who lost an eyeball? Is that a true story? I can't remember. No, that was it was a better match. He popped it back in. Yeah, it was now, Rey Mysterio to technically lost. Rey Mysterio technically lost an eyeball, but he didn't really lose the eyeball. Oh my gosh, it was part of that stupid eye for an eye match, like during the pandemic area. Like him oh, and Seth Rollins faced each other. He had an eye like stabbed in the corner of the still steps or something like that. Yeah, because I remember the Vader story, which is because <laughs> Vader but, was a psycho. Yeah, talking about Chamber, I only have like major this a couple like. I am the chamber. Elimination Chamber was awesome overall. It was probably it was an awesome pay per view to get back into like watching wrestling. But I'm tired of seeing one thing of them bursting through the pods. Ever since Goldberg did it back in what like 2007, whenever yeah. he did that with Triple H, I'm yeah. tired of seeing. Oh, it's Chris Jericho. I think he did it too. I've seen I, that over and over every it year. Much. It lost its luster after the third time. I appreciated the new thing they did this year with both matches, which was someone tries to hide in their pod and they get locked in with other people who beat the shit out of them. That was that literally hilarious. like telephone box. They'd be like, <laughs> no, watching Rollins bounce Austin Theory back and forth was hilarious. And Carmella hiding in her pod, which was just right. That was funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. And, and another thing, I wrestler safety, I understand, but putting the pads down on the sides of the ring or the chamber where it used to be just metal. It was makes sense why. But I miss what it was just like the metal rebar that they were getting suplexed on. You're a masochist. Have you seen who we idolize? <laughs> how can you this is the this is the sports in general argument, right? How do you make it safer when it's inherently violent? Yeah. You do that, but right. Like you can do a hundred and thousands and or you can do anything and everything you want. They're still blowing out their legs and knees and ankles and whatnot. Even trying to be as safe as they are. During the show I went to with the cow palace, they during the ladder match, I don't know if you don't really see it in the replay, but this was for the golden hemorrhoid pillow. They set the ladders up that they were like a bridge in the middle. And I don't know who it was, but somebody walked across to get to somebody else and somebody shoved someone. And the dude's leg went through the rings, got caught, and he was hanging by his knee. And when that happened live, it was 10,000 people. Everyone went, ah! And we're all yelling and screaming, no, over there! Help him over there! We were totally out of the match for about 10 seconds. He's done! There's no way! And we're seeing him, like, sell it a little. But it was like, oh, he's it's over. Oof. Another scare. Yeah. It's so different watching these cra- like watching potential injuries happen on the television and on in live is it's vastly different, but it's still horrifying. Like the perfect example of me just watching an entire match with me holding my breath just because of how dangerous everything got. And I was, it was nobody's it was nobody's singular fault of what happened. But the women's money in the bank match from last year. My God, if you want to talk about scary spots like 
It looked like Raquel couldn't hold up the ladder and she collapsed. Shotzi hit the back of her head when she tried to do the senton onto the ladder. Becky jumping off of the ladder like the ladder didn't break upon impact and she like landed on her back. Like Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss almost getting chopped in half by a ladder spot. Like that was one of the scariest matches I have ever seen because that and I mind you, I was on vacation in Mexico when I was watching this pay-per-view. And so I'm just sitting there. My mom happened to be watching it with me. And we both were just sitting there holding our breath because of how scary everybody was. It looked like Shotzi was bleeding from the back of the head when she hit the like ladder really hard. I was like, I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, what are we doing? I was thinking about that. I was watching, uh, not watching, but watching the clips from Hangman versus... John oh, Moxley at Revolution. Dude, oh, when he got concussed, oh my gosh. Are we talking? No. Are we? No, the death match from this revolution. Oof. That match no. was hella no. brutal. Let me wrap myself wanna... in barbed wire and jump off the ring with it. I'm going to, we're going to talk. I think we're talking Revolution in a little bit, right? Before we get to Let's just go it. into it because okay. Elimination Chamber was great, but so, like Revolution. Oof. So for Revolution, I'll start off with this. And I know Aldolfo does fight Curio and John's from the theater. When I've done, when I work on shows where I do fight choreo or I'm in a show or all of this stuff, something that's been baked into my head for my training has always been that the moment the audience is worried about the actors, we've taken them out of the world of the play and we're not going to get them back. If we're watching a sword fight, or we're watching a hand-to-hand fight or whatever it is, or a stunt or a thing, if the audience immediately goes, oh my God, I hope they're okay. Versus, oh my god, did you see what just happened? Or you're watching the fight or the character. Once that happens, it's really hard to get them back. Wrestling has always been really good at blurring those things. Is it because we're all aware of it and we watch so much of it that we key in on it and we're just being specific to what we see? Or are we just old people going, back in my day, we didn't care who got hurt? Or is it or is that a legit concern? We're like, hey, you can, you're going to do these stunts, you're going to tell this story. I, now there's a now with this kayfabe lifting thing, which is great and better for wrestling, in my opinion. I'm worried about you as a person. Oh yeah, no, I fully agree with you on that. But uh, I think it depends on what match you're watching. If you're going sure. into a Texas death match, you know what you're getting into. Right. When that's the stipulation, going into it. But if you see somebody like that comes off the ring the wrong way or hits the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, which I found out from Simon Miller recently. But in general, that's where, if I see someone land on their neck in a singles match, that's when I get worried. Yeah. Not as much like this, where they're gigging each other, Moxley untying the tape on his arm as he's finding right. more and more razor blades to like, cut himself <laughs> up with. That's and, another thing of mine. I don't want to see John Moxley bleed like for a couple right. of weeks. You know what? But you expect that from any John Moxley match ever at this point? If you see John Moxley in the match, is going to be blood. He, that's he what we're kind of. That's. Water. I think that's what the answer is, Minnie. Is that it's a brand, right? There's it's certain strong. performers that do a certain thing or a certain style, and we go, yeah. If you believe, yeah, there was a. Okay, if you believe, I'm worried about you. Right, just it's like Mick Foley. It's, if you see Mick Foley bleeding or losing a tooth in the match, it's normal. Yeah, but you were saying Adolfo. Go ahead, Adolfo. No, I agree. I agree with Minnie. I think that the problem is that there's a good portion of the audience that doesn't realize that it is like this wrestler is going to bring this and this wrestler is going to bring this. So they see, they see the, they see Mick Foley or the dude that you guys just said on Moxley. Moxley. They see John Moxley fucking taking the baseball bat with the fucking 
barbed wire and cutting himself up and shit like that. They ought. I feel like a good portion of the audience feels then wants to see all the other wrestlers push to that extreme, which I don't think has to be done. I feel that it's like many said, it's it, it's from character to character, and it's each wrestler's characterization. Back in the day, George the Animal Steel. Good you knowledge. Knew, yeah. You knew when George the Animal Steel was getting in the ring that a turnbuckle was getting right. chewed to shred. You or know, ter- Terry Funk. Or Terry, right, yeah. or Terry Funk. <laughs> or Prime Ric Flair was going to bleed into his hair. That's the reason he bleached his hair. Exactly. Well, then when like Tito Santana or Junkyard Dog got into the ring, it was a completely different match. You know what I mean? So I, so yeah, I, I just, and I, you, you can disagree with me. I totally, but I, I feel that there's a good portion of the audience that like expects that extreme wrestling i, agree. I absolutely agree with you yeah oh for sure i think for me personally the reason i have a nitpick with john moxley bleeding every single match that he's in apparently is for me personally like i feel that the bleeding should be like an extra tool that enhances the in-ring storytelling like i've talked jvl here knows that this is probably one of my favorite women's matches to have happened in the last two three years but the match that i always go back to where the blood was an enhancement to the story that was being told is Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker in that lights out match on. And literally that was the first episode of dynamite. I actually ever watched up to that point. I was over at, it was a lights out match where literally like it doesn't go onto their win loss record, but it was basically a glorified street fight. And so they were doing tables and trash cans and thumbtacks came out but there's that iconic moment where Britt ba- <laughs> Baker starts to bleed just from the violence in the match. And then literally that's everyone's like Twitter handle page for a couple of weeks is just her smiling with the blood dripping down her face. For me, if you're going to bleed, if you bleed in a match, it should be like it's happened. Like I've seen matches where wrestlers are bleeding because they got clipped or whatever. So like it's fine. But if blood is going to be used in a match for me personally it should be enhancing the story being told so like during that lights out match Britt baker thunder rosa bleeding was because they're trying to kill each other because the weeks leading into this match they couldn't fucking stand each other they were like going every opportunity to try to one-up each other and to destroy each other and so the story went is that tony khan and the and everybody else got tired of them trying to kill each other in the locker room and during promos and everything. So it's like, y'all have this one match. We're going to figure it out. And that's done and over with, like, just work out your aggression and whatnot. And so they did. It was a phenomenal match. And it enhanced the story that was being told because it culminated into this big blow off match. And then they both went their separate ways for a little bit before reconvening about a year and a half later in a steel cage match for the AEW Women's Championship. That was a fun match, but I still think the Lights Out match was probably their better one. Though, when Britt Baker went through the Tower of Chairs and they still stood up, like, end on end, and, like, literally she came down on her spine on the chairs, I was just like, a Britt Baker, why? That's the new big spot that's been going on a lot, where you set up the chairs and you're going on the top part, the hard part, where they're set up on the back, and you put your back through it. It's just... But the perfect example, too, that happened is like when Jeff Hardy took on Darby Allen in that ladder match and Darby jumped off the ladder. That made me scream. 
even before that, the one that I remember wholeheartedly is actually back from the old Black and Gold NXT where Aleister Black and Adam Cole were going at it, and he put Adam Cole right across that the long way. So his spine bent over the chairs. It was bad. I used to watch Kevin Steen do pop-up power bombs on those things all the time back when he was in ROH. But another example of blood, in a weird, almost positive but negative way, was Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar when he kept just elbowing Randy in the head until he started bleeding. And everybody lost their shit because they're like, why did you do that? That wasn't supposed to happen. And Randy was like, yeah, it was. I asked for that. See, and that's the weird thing that Adolfo and I were kind of touching on, too, is like, it's Mayweather breaking Paul White's nose. nose, yeah. Or these sort of moments where there's actual physical violence that's telling a story. Now the audience doesn't know. That sure. was not planned, and it became an iconic things. moment. What was something happened at Revolution? The two dudes—I'm forgetting their name—but they're cool as hell, and the guy's bald and he's awesome. They came out there and interrupted oh, oh, yeah, the match. FTR, and he's bleeding from. The and all of a sudden, he's bleeding, yes. and they don't know. Uh, it's like what happened? Taz is like, "Oh, it looks like he took something to the eye. He's got a big piece of skin. He's bleeding, bleeding. I'm going in there to so because they just had a dust up with the guns." There's this vast, I don't know, I wouldn't write a doctor thesis about it, but the use of blood and why, and when it really works, and when the audience is with you, and when it's, yeah, that's gross, like so on. Here's the problem with Moxley, specifically, because he's admitted to this, and he said, I bleed in every one of my matches because he gets off on it. It's not because of any storytelling. Wait, what? He has said he doesn't feel alive in the ring until he's bleeding. Oh, and Renee, his on. wife, Renee, has talked about this. Like She's worried about him because that's half the reason he went to rehab and did all these things because he actually mentally was in this place where that was what got him jazzed to do his stuff, was I'm not feeling like it's a good match until I'm bleeding all over the place. And they've had to try to pull him back from that because he came up through GCW. He came up through those extreme wrestling things where you bled every match. Yes, GCW. We could have a whole episode on GCW because like they're... But, but, infamously for their hardcore matches which by the way actually watched the Masha Slamovich versus Nick Gage win this past weekend is actually pretty good but carry on that's where he came out of so he came up his way of being internalized as you would as a fight choreo person or anything else when you know when you're in a certain type of weapon or anything else you know how it feels in your body for him it feels in his body by getting opened up that's when he feels comfortable and that's why it's every fucking match and it's starting to become a problem. And this even looks like, too, like he's the people he's bringing in to do this are ha- having to go farther and farther with him. I mean, look at Adam Page for the last one. There was a part in that match where I could not watch, where I saw Adam Page gig himself uh, up here by the hairline. I saw the blood starting to come down. And then Moxley pulled the fork and he went full Abdullah Butcher and the spray yeah. from oh, him oh, all yeah. over his face. That fork spot. Oh. Or the insanely stiff back rakes. Oh, yeah, pulling this. Yeah, oh, my God. So. I just looked up GCW because I had actually never heard of it. They're based down in New Jersey, Aldolfo. Make a trip. We're doing stuff yeah. in your neighborhood. Uh, I want to go. Be very uh, careful if you go, though, because they it, get the crowd there gets intense and it might not be safe for you. <laughs> but like the old school ECWs that were done in like abandoned Kmarts and stuff like that, those folks were nuts. Oh, I'm glad to see that lineage live on, live on a little bit. And I'm, this is not a tangent. This is related to what we're talking about. AEW's camera people or whoever's doing the stuff in the truck, the editing, they caught all the moments they were trying to hide at Revolution. And I'm only because I'm aware of it. Like, I saw them do the squeeze on the hands to check each other a lot. I saw them talking to each other when they were supposed to be knocked out a lot. They botched some of Christian's stuff. 
when he's talking to what's his name? I just forgot. Jungle as the yeah, Jungle, Boy. Jungle Boy, as the match is going, hey dude, this is this. Are you okay? This is it. I'm seeing them talk. Oh, don't film them like that. By the or way, the House of Black being like they turn the lights on and they're still in the ring getting out. I know. Yes. With them. They had I'll tiny little Brody. They had Brody King Jr. <laughs> Which I will admit was cute, but oh, it's, I, it's rough because they're supposed to be these big bads, but Brody King is like amazing dad. Like he's so dad mode. It's so funny. <laughs> I fell in love with them big black boys, by the way. That speaks to something in myself. But I, something about, you can't catch them blading because now we're back in that conversation we were having earlier. Of, am I worried about that? Am I catching this? Am I not? Am I not? I saw it in MGF. I saw him cut himself and they cut away really oh, yeah. fast. I was like, I saw it. Come on. Don't. Or the best is when you don't see them do it, but you see them walk over to the ref and slap their hand or something to pass the race sure, to get rid across, of it. Yeah. Or literally in that Texas Deathmatch, Moxley's entire thing, you could see seven or eight more blades were in the exactly. tape. Part of it to get to somebody. I'm like, so that Texas Death. So this is not the first Texas Deathmatch I have seen within the last two years. There was that one, and then there was a few. The Mickey James, Deanna Perazzo one, like at the top of 2022 at Hard to Kill was actually really fun. But like I said, like all these big, like crazy death type matches, I feel should always be a blow off to a feud. And that's my issue that I'm currently having. But I understand if it leads. To, so like this was supposed to be the blow off match between Moxley and Hangman, right? This is the Enfinito, all this stuff. Let Moxley go on vacation. And then what proceeds to happen is like literally not even two weeks later after the triple threat for the trios championship, which this is a hot take. I was disappointed by it, but it is what it is. Like, I thought it was fun, but I wanted more. But it was what it was. And then afterwards, you have Moxley, Claudio and Wheeler come out like they're going to beat up Hangman. And then the elite come in to back up Hangman. I was just like. I thought we were done with Mox and Hangman for a little bit, but apparently not, because I honestly think we're getting them for and versus Blackpool Combat Club for blood and guts. I'm like, Ugh. I was like, can we move on from this feud? But who else are you going to do? I don't fuck. So uh, here's the thing. So I'm going to put on my Booker hat, right? I'm happy if it goes the direction where I think it's heading with the AEW championship. I'm all for it. Fatal four-way between the four pillars, because that promo was a lot of fun. <laughs> Dynamite during MJF's rebar mitzvah. My problem is, how do you spread that out? How do you spread, like, this story out with these four for two and a half months? Because Double or Nothing's not until the end of May. <laughs> so if that's the story they're going with, how do you spread that out story-wise for two and a half months? I'm like, I'm well, quite curious. Wasn't was they were going to do that. They were going to, this was a, this is the rest of our year. And we're going to see who's first up for double or nothing. And then they get past that pay-per-view and the next one of the pillars goes up for the next one. They get back to revolution. And then in revolution, because nobody beat him, they all fight him in a fatal four way to get it off of him as he goes to WWF right before his contract's up. Oh my gosh. I'm all, that's another pet peeve. I'm tired of that. But it's long. Go ahead. Story. That's true. Go ahead. Dolfo. So now let me ask this. Do you think that it's that the writers for in AEW that do you think it's that they're being lazy? Do you think that they're just really trying to milk the cow for what it's worth? Because from what I've heard, AEW currently has a issue where they act they actually have a lot of talent, but not enough storylines to go around. 
So, you are correct. Their roster is bloated, Adolfo. I kid you right. not. So, JB, when, when you said, who else do you bring in? It sounds like they have the manpower to bring in new bodies, as it were, new talent for new stories. So now the, so the question, is it what's going on with the writers? Is it that well, that they don't know what to do or... I think it's partially that. I think it's also that they're building around, they're still getting a lot of flack for not using the women's roster they've done. They're trying to work those things around. My point to who you're going to bring in was for Blood and Guts specifically, you have to have a team of four. And the only factions they've got going right now are the Jericho Appreciation Society, who have been in both of the last... I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them in this one. You have the elite, which you've got to add Adam Page to because they only have three and then four because Adam Cole's not around. And then you've got what the house of black plus one, or do you have like, who do you bring? Who do you have against them? You have black bull combat club. So that for me was, I knew they were going to put Adam page with them in that storyline and write that in because you have, don't have enough factions of, of lots of people to do it. Cause you're not going to make the firm happen. It's not going to happen. That's the hard part. If you haven't taken the time to build up large groups, you can't throw them together at the next pay-per-view for what you need. That aside, they do have a problem also with they're using all the stars they have, they're putting them together, and they're not giving people chances, whereas you heard Jungle Boy bring it up on that. like He he was on Dark for three months, and they're putting people on Dark that they could be bringing up, and they're starting to realize, oh crap, we probably should be doing this, especially because we can't count on the CM Punks of the world, the Adam Coles of the world, everyone else to carry this for us that we brought in, but they're still not there yet, and at the same time, they're scrambling to try to show that they're progressive. And not WWE by trying to what not book one women's match a week now. What is it? Like, I no I'm s- so let me let me put my thesis hat on real quick, Adolfo. This has been a Vibe Tribe production. Remember, take care of each other, love one another, and as always, keep those good times rolling. We'll see you next time.